Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Malthouse Games Podcast. This is episode number 36. I am your host, Delton Brack, and with me today is my lovely co-host, yellow player, wife, and tiny person, Haley. <gasps> I'm lovely. You're lovely, too? Did I say lovely? Yes. Oh. <laughs> Do you not mean it or something? Uh, maybe. Maybe I did. Maybe I didn't. And the fourth anniversary was the last. Yes. Since the last episode, we hit our fourth wedding anniversary. And this is the real wedding, the one that's legal. Not the sham wedding, the one that happened in the summer. The one that was just a show for the people who didn't know we were legally married already. Yes, we did that. Don't judge. We got married in the Voodoo Donut Shop on Friday the 13th. In Denver. In Denver. And it was a good time. But this last week, we celebrated our four-year wedding anniversary, and we had a lot of fun. Of course, we went to Thai Delight. The only place to ever celebrate anything with great Thai food. If I want to celebrate something, Thai Delight. Have an anniversary, Thai Delight. Pass my NCE, Thai Delight. Had a really crappy, sad day, order in Thai Delight. Thai Delight. Literally It is my lifeblood. Every occasion we can think of, we go to or have been to Tide Light. To Tide Light. I even wanted to have our re- wedding, was it wedding rehearsal dinner there, but that was shot down. Well, it'd be kind of expensive. I mean, it wouldn't be expensive, but the amount of people who wouldn't care for it, just because they're crazy if they don't like Thai food. Therefore, fewer people show up because they don't care for Thai food. Therefore, it's cheaper in the long run. Science. That is a great idea. But along with going to have Tidalite, we also went to peruse the Paseo in the Plaza District in Oklahoma City. I finally went into all the hipster shops. Uh, now the Paseo District is like our very artsy district, and Plaza is the very hipster district, even though both are pretty hipster. Yeah, the Paseo, you go into one place, and it has beautiful, beautiful local art. And Delton found a picture of a crow and a picture of a raven that he wanted. And I go up to ask how much they are, and she says, $900. Like, I have four. Yeah, it was $450 a piece. But they were these very cool pieces, and I want them, but I will not pay that. And I understand. It's a, lo- uh, it's a local artist. That's their lifeblood. Exactly. And it it's is, art, and you pay for art. It is worth $450 a piece. They are absolutely worth that. We just don't have. We just don't have that money. <laughs> <laughs> that kind of money just to spend on art. Yeah, so not to, like, dog the artist, because that's, I mean, you, you put that oh, much yeah. work into those beautiful pictures. You earn $450, not the $4.87 I have in my back pocket. If that. If that. If that. We did that. We got some vegan donuts at Holy Rollers. Thank goodness Holy Rollers exists. Amen. And it was just a grand old time. It was. It was a good little anniversary. Haley got me Caverna Cave versus Cave, the two-player adaptation of Caverna. And Delton got me a book called Motherless Brooklyn. I got you a shirt as well. Yeah, you got me a uh, that shirt that says Valhalla and has the, like, stereotypical depiction of a Viking riding a boar, and it's awesome. You're welcome. It's a really cool shirt. Another local artist and local, like, printing or whatever. $25 as well within my price range. Yeah, yeah, not 450 Yeah. Jeez. Each. So much. So the theme, really, of the last two weeks has been self-care. It has been taking care of ourselves in the best way possible. And self-care is not just... Painting your nails or going shopping or da 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 da. Self care is also taking care of your body. Self care is making your doctor's appointments. Self care is making sure you get that weird mold checked out on your back. Self care is getting all your teeth fixed, Delton. 
<laughs> yeah, I guess I should update on the uh, dental activity. Which activity. is, I went back in and had the right side of my face fixed, and I have three currently three temporaries uh, that are temporary fillings in place of the, what they call an onlay, basically a partial crown. And I'm supposed to go back April 1st and get those three temporaries removed and the partial crowns put on, and then my teeth should be done. However, I think a filling might have fallen out or something on the left because I have a sensitive spot I'm going to have to bring up to them. But I'm almost there. I'm at the home stretch. I'm running from third base to home plate. I don't know why this is the analogy I chose. And You're I'm like the least there. sports ball person in the world. We I bring am- up this analogy i am the least sports ball person however i think most everyone can understand going from third to home and i just gotta slide into home plate but like not bust out any more teeth in the process (laughs) i'm gonna trip and fumble and like break a leg so we've been self-caring so i I think that's the part of self-care people often forget you know self-care is the hashtag treat yourself definitely and it is the no taking a break from home but it is also scheduling those appointments is taking care of your body make sure making sure that you're healthy eating good meals and being around good people the last two weeks have been our self-care weeks and actually the last two days of the week i took off my very first two days with no purpose it's amazing like i am trying to think i cannot tell you the last time that i've taken off a day from work just to do nothing like no doctor's office visits no other obligations, no school obligations, no family things, not leaving town or whatnot. I just took off two days just to take off. And now that I'm, th- now that I'm sitting here thinking about it, I don't think I've ever done that. Like I've had a job since I was 14. I don't think I've ever just taken a day off. That's because you're crazy and you need to learn to stop and sit for two seconds. What is wrong with me? I don't know. I've been asking myself this for quite a while now. I'm I'm literally coming to this realization. I have not I have never taken off a day just to take off. Yep. I took two. Yep. Two in a row. It needs to be another two. Well after this weekend. We'll see. But you know what I did? Do you know what I did? I know you know what I did, but do you know what I did? What? I made bowl koozies and I made cloth bookmarks. And it was great. On Thursday, I got up, I made Delton breakfast, I wrote an Ogle article, and I spent six hours making bowl koozies. I don't eat a lot of soup. I don't need bowl koozies. I just made it for the hell of it. Gates, you're getting a bowl koozie. Mom, you're getting a bowl koozie. Holly, you're getting a bowl koozie. Allison, you already got your bowl koozie. I'm just giving us the gift that gives you around. Is it? You can put a hot bowl in it and not get burned. It gives you around because I'm be making them year round and having them to give away. Oh, there you go. Another gift that we can make and then give as presents because we don't have the money to buy everyone presents. We just want to make them. We just want to make them. It's much easier and it's more meaningful anyway than just clicking purchase on Amazon. Yeah. So it's good. I'm, I'm getting really good at them too. That's I'm, true. I made some really good bowl koozies. They're pretty neat. I like them. They're pretty cute. That's what I did. On Thursday, I sewed for six hours. And then on Friday, I had two naps before noon. And then I folded. No, I didn't fold laundry. I did dishes and cleaned the kitchen. And then I went and I had a drink with my old professor. A drink? I bought a drink. Others bought more drinks. I did not refuse. 
I mean, yeah, if somebody's buying you alcohol, why would you? I went with the intention of a drink, buy a drink, and then Delton picked me up. And that's where everything fell apart. Uh-uh, it was, it went well. <laughs> I got Thai food, and I got a $100 discount on my laptop. By the way, I also bought a new laptop this week. And this laptop's amazing because it does not shut down randomly after 90 minutes of use. And it takes less than eight minutes to open up Word, which I realize has been a problem for the last five years. Yeah, her MacBook is the biggest piece of junk I've ever encountered. Uh, we got her a Surface Laptop 2, which is the new Surface Laptop from Microsoft. And it's very nice. It works really well. It's plenty powerful for what she does. And it should last her hopefully longer than this MacBook did because that thing is terrible. But this one doesn't shut down after 90 minutes. Thank goodness. I can have open two tabs at once without my computer freezing up. It's glorious. Glorious. So this has been the week of Haley. It has been the week of self-care and creativity and scheduling doctor's appointments and taking naps. But tonight was no different. Just because today was not a day I took off work, it doesn't mean that I did not get my self-care in. Oh, here's the door. It's straight ahead. It's it's a game. But before we do that, Delton, what are we drinking? I think before we get into what we're drinking, if you've made it this long into the podcast without me saying, we are a podcast about tabletop games, board games, card games, RPGs, and the like. <laughs> uh, should have said that way earlier, so if you've made it this far and are still very confused, uh, hopefully that clears things up for you. Today, we already had some beer. So, we are drinking wine with the episode. I know it's blasphemous to do this. Egad. This is a Malbec from Aldi that says Mendoza in Argentina. And I like Malbecs a lot. Haley introduced me to the style of wine. It is only from Argentina, right? Up in the mountains? Argentina or Chile. It's basically in the Andes Mountains is where the grapes are from. I like it because it's a little drier. It is a quicker flavor. It doesn't have the lingering aftertaste. And, and I don't know, it's just got a little bit different flavor than most standard. It is a red wine, I should specify. Plus, it's Aldi, so it's $6.99 for a decent bottle with a cork. Yes, a very fake cork. However, still a cork. And it's really good. So we are drinking that today. Sadly, no beers. Part of that is we are kind of out of anything that's new or good. We got some Aldi beer. We got some cheap ripoff beer and some Bud Light and one pale ale from Sierra Nevada. We do. I don't know if you guys have ever checked out Aldi beer, but basically you pay $5 for a six-pack of knockoff whatever your heart desires. There's a knockoff Shinerbach called Bach. There's a knockoff Heineken. There's a knockoff Sam Adams. What's the Sam Adams one? Boston Harbor? I think so. Like, there's a knockoff of everything, and it does not taste bad. No, they're not bad at all. And it's $5, and we have a knockoff of, what do we have right now? I don't remember. I think it's a Heineken knockoff. It's a green bottle. It's either Heineken or, like, a German lager knockoff. I think it's a German lager knockoff. But it was $5, and it was six-point beer, so you can't really complain. The same with this wine. It's good. It's pretty good. It's pretty solid. But we are drinking this wine today as we go into the game of the episode. So like Haley said, we have spent today kind of self-caring a little, and that ended up manifesting itself in us playing some games, which is very, very good always. The game for this episode is Gizmos, which is produced by Simon, cool mini or not. It is designed by Phil Walker Harding, 
Now, Phil Walker Harding is also known for Sushi Go and Sushi Go Party, as well as Baron Park, which is one that I wish we owned, um, but I like Baron Park a lot. The artists, there's actually a lot of artists on this, so I'm guessing that it was one of those where a, a company has like an art division and they all work together on it. There's no specified one single person. It is Hannah Cardoza, Julia Ferrari, Giovanna Guimareas. There's a tilde over the A, and I do not know how to pronounce that. That's what I'm going to say. Uh, Matthew Harlout and Saeed Jalabi. I hope I got those correctly, but that's the art team that worked on this game. So Gizmos is an engine building game. If you're not familiar with engine building games, they're usually very fun. A lot of people tend to like engine building a lot. It's essentially where you can do minimal amounts of actions that have chain reactions based off of them to expand what happens on your turn. So for example, rather than saying in Gizmos, I'm going to take a blue marble with the pick action. You can say, I'm going to take a blue marble with the pick action. Since I picked a blue one, both of these cards trigger, allowing me to get two more random marbles from the little marble hopper. So immediately one action becomes more, and that's what an engine building game does and allows you to generate points through those different functions. Engine building games to me are very, very fun. Some complaints people have with engine building games is that you don't get to run your engine fully, uh, except maybe once at the end. And I actually find that in Gizmos, you get to run your full engine or the best parts of it multiple times in the game. I feel like, unlike most engine builders, it doesn't give you that sense of you're going to build one grand engine and you're going to run it and just have this like super efficient machine, but small engines throughout. And so it, I feel like it does a really good job. But it's an engine building game. Essentially in the game, you're going to be dealing with marbles that are types of energy. There's three levels of cards, one, twos, and threes, worth different amounts of points, cost different amounts to build, and you're going to be building the best engine you can that will allow you to get more pieces to your engine, all of which are worth points, and hopefully be the one with the most points at the end. Now, I really like Gizmos. I think it's a lot of fun. Like I said, I feel like it's one of the few engine building games where you actually get to run the bits of your engine you're excited about. You never feel like you're just shut out and your engine's just doing nothing. It's a really fun logic game, too. If then, if then, if then, if then. So if you like computer programming or you like logic puzzles or you like flowcharts, this is the game for you. I know it sounds really lame, but... It makes sense. In order to build an engine that works best for you or gets your job done, you have to link together cards. So I had three different cards where if I drew a certain color, then that triggered me to be able to get a marble. So I had a setup where no matter what I drew, my engine would allow me to draw another marble, which really helped me to... Win the game. Yeah, Haley won all three games we played tonight, which is just brutal. Basically, in Gizmos, you have a couple basic actions. You can take a marble, you can build a card, you can store a card in your files for later, or you can look through the top so many of a deck and either build or store one of those cards from the amount you look at to give you more options. So there's not a lot of actions you're going to be taking. There's only four technical actions to take. But in building your engine, you're also building new ways that things trigger and new chain combos. So you're going to be taking one action and three other things are going to happen, depending on how you approach it. So you might end up taking up to three actions in a turn. You can. So for example, I had an engine built up to where whenever I use a search action, typically I had enough marbles saved up that I can go ahead and play my card. Well, how I played my card, that triggered me being able to draw more marbles. So I had this loop for about six turns in a row where I just searched, played, drew marbles 
And that typically would have been three turns each, but I did that every single turn altogether. Yes, and so it gives you this really cool feeling of just being able to do extra stuff. You never feel like your engine's not working, you can't get the pieces you need. You're always getting a little bit. And one thing I really enjoy, now, the way you get these cards and build these new quote-unquote gizmos or pieces into your engine, there are three stacks of cards, level one, two, and three, and there are more level ones than twos and more level twos than threes out at a time. So your choices are limited, but in this game, it prevents you from feeling like you never get to see enough cards or see the ones you want because everyone is able to look at the top so many, pick one to build or keep, and then put the rest on the bottom of the deck. So this allows you to, if you don't like any of the cards out, you're looking for a yellow and there's only a blue and a red, well, then you can look through the deck a little bit on your turns and try to find one to build that's yellow. I just imagine, you know, with the graphic design of this game, I imagine whenever you're searching, you're rummaging through the junk drawer trying to find a motor to a blender to attach to the remote control car that you have in order to create the next gizmo you're going to create. Because in this game, if you look at the graphic design, there are maybe a, maybe a broken toaster or a funky looking microwave or something that resembles a soup heater or something. There's a bunch of random stuff that's put together, which is where you get the name Gizmos. And so every time I'm searching, I'm, I'm imagining myself rummaging through that junk drawer trying to find that one random thing that I'm glad I didn't throw away seven years ago, even though I probably should have. It does. The whole point is you're building these weird machines and putting machine pieces together to make this engine or this one big gizmo, I guess you could call it. So I really feel like the theme of the game fits with the mechanics. I think it does. And hopefully I'm just what I'm describing makes a little bit of sense. I know I'm not going into detail. The game is easy to learn. It's easy to play. And I think it's easy to teach. The symbolism in the game, iconography and stuff like that is not bad. Um, it's actually pretty simple. There's just one or two things that you'll have to look up, but there's a whole sheet of references and nothing in it is very complex. So it's a great game to show to new people. And I think it's really easy to bust out. A game took us maybe 25 minutes and it's only it's our that. second time playing. Yeah. So it's just really been really fun. It's one that I'm looking at picking up in the future. I'm not like having to get it immediately. However, I think it'll be a great addition because it's a good engine builder. It's easily accessible to people. It has fun marbles for the cats to steal. It's got great marbles. So it's got this little marble dispenser that has like a hopper that holds all of them and you can't see in it, uh, but it has an open top. And then it only dispenses six at a time in this little line in the front of it. And so when you pick a marble, you take one of the six that are available. And sometimes when you do an action, you're also able to reach into the hopper and just take one at random. And so it does have that bit of randomness, but I just find it fun. I don't know, there's something about the tactility of marbles that is just enjoyable. Especially pretty colors. Yes, these are like a, they're not a hard glass marble. They're a plastic with a lot of air bubbles in them, so they bounce. If you drop them off the table, they bounce a lot. Which we learned tonight. Yes, and they're very lightweight, so it's very interesting. But it's a really neat little game. Uh, like I said, I enjoy engine building, but it does sometimes feel like you can never get your engine running well enough. And I feel like this game doesn't really suffer from that because. It's not a game where you have one big engine. You have multiple small ones. What would your invention be in yours based on what you put together tonight? Oh, I wasn't even paying attention to the art tonight, to be honest. I was just trying to win, which I didn't. Only by like seven points, and it still sucks. Hi, Sally. It's okay. Uh, I would imagine it would be a vacuum motor hooked up to a belt that runs some other thing that 
goes around and hooks up something. Basically, it's a giant electronic Rube Goldberg machine where I hit a button, a bunch of expensive electric pulling voltage heavy equipment runs, and then it like opens the fridge. Sounds awesome. That's essentially what it's going to be, a giant electronic Rube Goldberg. I'd buy it. You better. But hopefully Gizmos makes sense from what we've been talking about. It's a fun game. Like I said, it's accessible, it's easy, it's light. It's got a good look to it, and it's just fun to play. We've had a good time with it, haven't had any disappointment yet, and so far everyone I've seen that has played it has enjoyed it. And you know what else we enjoyed tonight? What did we enjoy? Edmund Unplugged. We did. We went to Edmund Unplugged. It's our favorite cafe around that we play games at. Highly recommend you guys check it out if you get a chance to, because we like it a lot, and that's where we played tonight. And the owner, Mike, is really nice, too. Which brings us to our topic for the episode. Hey, what can I get you? I'd like a topic. Any special way? Make it a top-shelf topic. Coming up. Enjoy. So the topic today is going to be board game cafes. So since we played at a board game cafe tonight, we thought it'd be a good subject to talk about on the show. Yeah, because even though Delton has about 200 board games himself, or I guess we have 200 board games. There you go. They're fr- they're yours, but well, I finance quite a bit of them. Yeah. Even though we have a lot of board games we like to play, sometimes it's fun to go somewhere like Edmund Unplugged. You can go play board games. Maybe we had the board games, maybe we don't. But you just sit for about three, four hours, have a beer, and just play games in a different environment. The thing with board game cafes is you have to find the one that fits your personality, an environment that you enjoy. And that's what I think is fun about board game cafes is from all... Now, I've only been to probably four, I think, all in Oklahoma. Yep. I don't think we've been outside of Oklahoma. We have four here that I've been to that uh, you could consider a board game cafe, not just a store with a place to play or something like that, but an actual board game cafe where you can get drinks of some sort, snacks of some sort, and then use their rental library. But what's fun is the four I've been to all have very unique feels. And that's what's nice is you can choose, depending on your group and depending on what kind of experience you want to have that evening or that day, you can choose that and pick accordingly. And we tend to gravitate more toward Edmund Unplugged. That's the one that's uh, dangerously close to our house, only about two miles away. But the reason why we like that one is, one, we like the owner. We've always got along with Mike. But we also like a place where we can sit and have a beer. That's a big thing for us. Because like our, our podcast is Malt House Games. We have, well, except for this episode, we have wine. But most episodes, we have a beer and we talk about our board games. And every time we go there, we can try, a, we've tried a different beer every time we've gone. I think we have. And so we'll just sit and we'll make more of an evening out of it. I mean, of course, we can buy a six-pack of beer and play games at our kitchen table. But if when we go out to a board game cafe, well, we got to put on real pants so we feel like real human beings. I like to dress cute because I make it my date night. But you get a little more social interaction. You get to people watch. You get to maybe try a beer you've never heard of. You get to try, try a, a game, game you've never heard, never heard of. Or play a game that's familiar to you that maybe you'd like to try again before you buy it. That's exactly it. It gives you options. It gives you things like that. And something else that I find that is the most important thing about board game cafes is kind of like when people mention their, you know, friendly local game store. It's supporting those stores that are big parts of the community of gaming. Right. It's a big thing because these board game cafes, they don't make their living off selling games as a retail store. They make their living off of people coming in and enjoying time together in their space that they have set up for you to come and play. So they're really big like footholds within 
an entire community in a city or even in a state sometimes, they are a big foothold for this hobby. And so I think that's an important thing to support. And even if you only go once a month, just being able to go and spend some time and throw a little bit of cash their way, whether it's, you know, paying to play or paying for a beer or getting some Doritos and a Dr. Pepper, I think just supporting those companies because they're supporting us at the same time, those businesses are. And I think that's a very important thing to do. And board game cafes are, they're one of the biggest places for us to help grow this hobby. Right. So I think it's very important that we support them. Yeah, because board game cafes, I mean, that's where kids are starting to hang out too. It seems like every time we go to one of the board game cafes, we see groups of kids or teenagers hanging out, getting their feet wet and nerddom. All the time. Like today, there were some people that I assume were high schoolers. They looked very high schoolish. They did. And they were playing like junk art and stuff. And then I've been in there before where there were some people with their kids and they're playing kids games or playing this and that. And it's just nice to see that anybody can access this and anybody can use these spaces to right. take part in the hobby. I really think it, these board game cafes are taking away that gatekeeper thing. I think so for the most part. Yeah. It's taking away that barrier that people have because at board game cafes, you can take any game off the shelf. A lot of times the owners or the workers will help you learn them as well if you ask nicely and tip well. <laughs> yeah, usually. Delton. Sorry. Delton I'm, forgot to leave a tip tonight. I'm really bad about that when it comes to these. Everybody shame Delton, shame. Shame. Mm-hmm. I feel it. I can feel the shame. But no, board game cafes are fun. We highly recommend if you haven't been to one to go. Go with one person, go with two, go with three, go with eight. It doesn't matter. You make it your own. That's kind of what's fun about it. It's just like kitchen table gaming at somebody else's kitchen table. That's kind of how it feels. Where you have to wear pants. But you do have to wear pants. But we really enjoy the board game cafes. They usually have a little bit of retail if you want to purchase something. They usually have dice, sometimes magic cards, anything that you could kind of want. But we we just find them to be fun. We find them to be welcoming, something that we look for. And it's fun to take a date night sometimes and go to one and just hang out and do something a little different. So, Delton, what do you like to play at board game cafes? And now, join us for a Malt House Games podcast special, Pint Size Question. So one of the things that we discussed to be this question of the episode is how we approach what we want to play at a board game cafe, which leads us to asking, what do we want to play at a board game cafe? There's multiple angles to this. Me personally, I tend to like to play things I have not played or things I don't own that I don't get to play often. But there's a bit of a caveat there that I direct myself to the shorter, little bit easier games, or at least uh, less complexity in those games. I don't know, man. First time we went to the boarding house, what did we play? Well, I had already learned that game is the difference. If it was brand new, that was Dominant Species. It was brand new to me. (laughs) It was new to you. It was Dominant Species. That was three hours. I had already learned it and had planned on playing it, but I said, why don't we go there and hang out and try some games? It was the first time that one of these little cafes opened up near us, uh, even though it's like 30 minutes away. And they had it, and I was like, why don't we just play this? It won't be too bad. Well, then two and a half hours later, we finished the game. And we were brain dead. Dead. Because I love that game to death. It's just, it's a lot of thinking. But uh, lately, I've been tending to lean toward those shorter games. Because when you go into a board game cafe, you have to be ready, if you're going to learn a new game, to read the rule book there in, in, in that moment. 
Teach the person across from you in that moment while teaching yourself, while learning the setup, then trying to play it all in a public environment with other people talking and making noises and playing games. So the bigger games are kind of harder to get into in that environment. At least I think they're harder to get into. Some people may have the exact opposite experience. So do you like to play more new games or games you don't know? I or like do to, know. I tend to lean toward those games that are new, but are also ones that I am not sure if I want to own or not. So in terms of like tonight, we played Gizmos. Gizmos is one that I've been thinking about getting. And every time I play it now, then I think, okay, yeah, this would be a good fit to the collection. But then we played something like Azul Stained Glass of Sinatra, the new Azul. And it's now it's something of, do I want to own this game or not? I wasn't sure if I wanted it before. Now I've played it and it's kind of altering that and letting me know where it's at. So I enjoy playing stuff that is new to me, especially if it's something I'm considering purchasing. And then, like I said, a little bit shorter. What are your preferred for a cafe? See, I come to a board game cafe with a different mindset. I like to play a lot of the games that we already know. I like to play the easier games, simpler games that they have on the shelf that we know. So, for example, like Azul. So every time we go to Edmund Unplugged, I like to play Azul because it's a game that I'm familiar with that I know. It's one that I can direct my attention to the game and look out and people watch and to the game and drink my beer. And to the game, look up, why are they playing wrestling on the TV in a board game cafe? But I like to play ones that we're familiar with. Because board games, yes, I go to a board game cafe for board games. But I also go for the environment. And so I don't want to, I love harder games. I love two and three hour games. But I'd much rather play those at my house. I'd much rather learn new games at my house where I could take a break. Or I can sit here comfy and only have my attention directed toward here. But board game cafes... I like the things that we played before because I just like the company and just being out and about and having that experience. I can agree with that. We have played long games. Like you said, we played Dominant Species. We played Concordia one time, our first time to play Concordia. And so you can play longer games. For me personally, it's in those environments I can't focus as well. It's the same thing with last year when I went to BGG Con. So many people and so much noise and so many conversations and it makes it hard for me to focus. So that can be a concern. But no, that I mean, that fits perfectly. And I understand that, you know, you want to play things like Azul and play those games that we already know that we can have fun with that make it easier to go out and about. So it's not about learning a new game, playing something new, deciding if we want it or not. But it's about just having fun at that point. Right. Right. We are tired this episode because it's 11. It's now 1207 at night. This will be coming out in less than 12 hours. <laughs> I will wake up early and get this edited before noon on this release day. So when you hear this, I will have just basically went to sleep and woke up and edited in the same day. Woo. Woo. But that's okay. We're doing it for you, the listeners, because we love you. And, and for we our need backers. You. And for our, yes, that's a good one. Good, nice, awesome Patreon backers. Thank you to Allison, to Alan, and to Jesse and Catherine. You guys are all awesome. Thank you so much for supporting us through Patreon. If you would like to be like them and get an awesome shout-out, like that awesome shout-out. Yes, it was awesome. Don't quote me. Uh... Quote awesome, Delton. <laughs> Thank you. Go to patreon.com slash malthousegames. We are going to be heading to bed now because I'm exhausted, and that pillow is calling my name. I never even drank my wine. You didn't, and I'm going to have to finish it now. And yep. I really want to floss my teeth, which is a weird thing for me to say, but 
<laughs> You're a changed man, Delton. I'm a changed, changed man. Hashtag self-care. Thank you for listening to episode 36 of the Malthouse Games podcast. If you have any questions or comments or anything like that for us, you can either hit us up on social media. We are at Malthouse Games, M-A-L-T-H-A-U-S Games. You can also email us, contact at malthousegames.com. You can find me personally at Delton Brack, D-E-L-T-O-N-B-R-A-C-K. And you can find Haley at S-Q-U-I-R-R-E-L-Y-G-E-E-K. That is at Squirrely Geek. If you all have something you'd like us to discuss on the podcast, whether that be a topic or a game, send it our way. Let us know. We're open to ideas. We promise we won't always say no. We won't always say no. But yes, if you have a topic in mind, a game in mind. Except risk. Except for, yeah. That's a hard no. It's a hard pass. Yeah, risk. Our opinion's on risk. And it's a no. And there we go. That was risk. That'd be the shortest episode ever. (laughs) I'm not a fan of risk. Uh, I apologize if you really enjoy risk. The Ukraine is weak. The Ukraine is weak. Thank you again for listening to episode 36 of the Malthouse Schemes podcast. Until next time, sit back, relax, grab a drink, and play some games. We'll see you all later. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.